All right, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to be there for the next year. So, <laughs> well, that's probably not too much of an exaggeration. But before we get into it, we have actually, we've just readjusted the prayer. And this is a combination of, of Angie's and I's words. So we are going to practice praying this together. And then I'm going to do an introduction. Then we'll get into the scripture for today. You'll see what we're doing here in a minute. But if you guys would pray this with me. Our Father... We thank you for this wise picture of Christ's life. Please reveal it to us deeply through your Holy Spirit. Teach us to listen well, learn well, and live out that knowledge. Renew our sight, refresh our hearts, and grant our desire to seek and follow you. Jesus, help us live our lives for you. Amen. Amen. So today we are starting an unhurried time through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that Jesus gave to those who followed him, either as disciples that he had gathered. We're not 100% sure if he gathered all of them yet or not. But um, either as disciples or as we kind of saw last week, people that he was healing, people that he was surrounded himself or that were surrounding themselves uh, with him. They all wanted to be around him. They wanted to seek him. Some of them wanted healing. Some, some of them didn't know what they want. They just wanted Jesus. Some of them were expecting the Messiah. And what Jesus did was he healed people. He's healed the sick. He healed the lame, but he also came and he preached this message. So it's words and deeds combined as Jesus. And if these people were seeking first the kingdom of God in doing so, like we try to do, They were sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his words. And then, Lord willing, they lived out an attempt to heed the words that Jesus was speaking. And here in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, we can't run from the fact that we are being directly addressed by Jesus. There's no getting around it. All these, the next three chapters are all red letters. Jesus is going to be speaking to us. He's going to be addressing us. There are going to be things that encourage us and things that challenge us. This sermon is not simply preached to one person. It wasn't just written out and just said, here, read it on your own, on your own time. Or or it wasn't just given to those who were serious about following Jesus like his disciples. There were people there that probably turned away from Jesus. But this sermon is for the community of believers who are striving or at least seeking to follow Jesus. This means, I think one of the things that this means for us is that the life that we live with Jesus cannot be lived out as a single person, just you and Jesus. We do love Jesus and we do have a personal relationship with Jesus. I hope that you go away and you pray and you do your time in scripture, you journal or however you do it. And I I pray that we do that as individuals, but we are individuals who live out what we believe amongst others. I've said this a number of times, and maybe I haven't said it in a while. When we take communion, we are witnessing to ourselves and to one another that Jesus is enough. That as he died on the cross for us, as his blood was shed for us, that Jesus is enough for us and his grace is sufficient for us. We give and receive God's love through having other people in our lives. And all that is in this sermon is for the community of people who want to follow Jesus, both as individuals and the community. There's no separating the two there. 
Jesus, in his great love for us, is giving us a new way of living in this sermon. The way of love that he lived it out. His teaching is, uh, is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And love comes into our, into our civilization, and we can best see this through Jesus as a way of being in the world. Not just knowledge, but as a way of walking it out. Jesus is giving us a new way in this sermon. Right, so we've already seen Jesus come. He's been, he's he's a he is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We see that he's bringing his kingdom. He's preaching repentance. And if we take these words, this sermon from Jesus seriously, they will they will serve us. Come on in. Wait, you just ask me to, there's something outside to help you. Oh, okay, okay, you got it. Jesus is giving us a new way in this sermon. If we take these words seriously, they will serve us throughout the entirety of our life as we look, uh, as we look for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, like we've already prayed this morning. I find that in so much of our lives, we make attempts to justify the way we live. Some of us do it with scripture. We use scripture to do this, or I should say maybe certain parts of scripture. We are better at living out some parts if we're honest, and we ignore sometimes large sections of scripture. It's very complicated. There's a lot in there to remember and to do all at once, isn't there? There is no one I've met who lives out scriptures perfectly. Not one. But I have met persons who, with their whole lives, they live with humility that is required. And then when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, if we are to take the words of Jesus seriously, if we are to sit at his feet, it will, I promise, disrupt our lives. It has to. It will disrupt our lives as we come to the Sermon on the Mount. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said about the Sermon on the Mount, its validity depends on its being obeyed. It's only valid if we obey it. This is not a statement that we can freely choose to take or to leave. It's a compelling lordly, or I would say a compelling kingly statement. He's saying you want to live in this kingdom? Here's a new way to live. And the statement is from Jesus about the kingdom where he is king. He is Lord and Savior and he is our friend and he is our king. If we truly long to live for Jesus, we must. Now, I say this thing a lot in church where we, I say, get to. Because it's the attitude behind it. Like, it, it, we get to follow Jesus. We get to live for him. This is the grace that he gives us. But if we truly long to serve and live Jesus, we must, not as a suggestion, we must take this sermon seriously. The way we live it. That's why we're going to spend an unhurried amount of time in there. When I, say, when I say this, I'm not making a theological statement. I'm not saying agree with everything it says, although I think that's a good idea. I'm not saying that we shouldn't study it. I think we should. There are some parts in there that are um, uh, easier to understand than others, and we get to take this time and really dive in and looking at it. But I am, when I say we take this seriously, I'm making a statement about the way that we live our lives. We live our lives. We can believe rightly about this sermon, but if we also must live it out. 
The best picture of God is through Jesus. And I believe one of the best pictures of Jesus' life and how he is seen is, and is taught is in this sermon, in these three chapters in Matthew. This sermon cuts through all the rules and regulations and gets right to the heart of the matter. And again, that's why we're going to be spending an unhurried amount of time here. Now, I've had uh, some have suggested some scholars, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I do really like the thought. And it's one of those thoughts that stuck with me that Jesus taught this sermon over and over again in different areas and at different times. There would be proof of this would be it's recorded differently in the different Gospels. There's certain sections that are here. And not only that, but um, Matthew's the most thorough. But also you could take this sermon and then just watch how Jesus lived and you can see it being played out perfectly. I like this idea for our life that Jesus taught this sermon periodically because that we learn this sermon and its contents and how to live, we do this over and over again. It's not just like we read it, we even can memorize it, but unless we constantly go back, we're rereading, we're re-examining our lives, we're checking in with the teachings of Jesus to see how we're doing. This is a good thing, this is a powerful thing, and we get to spend our time doing this. And I would say this, this sermon of Jesus should urge us to live with all humility. All humility. All humility. There are going to be certain sections of this as we read it where you're doing really well. You're going to be like, oh, that's not, that's not discouraging. That's not convicting. That's encouraging. And we get to be encouraged. And in, even in that encouragement, we get to be thankful for God's grace to live out some of what he's teaching well. Amen? Then there are going to be other sections, if we're being honest, in this scriptures or some of these sayings in this sermon that prove that we have a ways to go, right? We're not quite there yet. We still got a ways to go. And then we are thankful for grace because we need it. We need it. And we come to the sermon with humility. This teaching and its implications led Jesus to the cross to die for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it'll lead us to die to ourselves so that we might live through Christ that he might live in us. So today, for the rest of the sermon, uh, you don't have to agree with anything that I said previously. I'm fine with it. <laughs> but from here on out, I'm going to simply read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in the months to come, we're going to take a dive and take a slow look at what this sermon means for our lives. And I just pray this, Holy Spirit, speak to us as a community and as individuals. Encourage us and convict us as we read this sermon of yours. So if you guys have Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to read it. These are the words of Jesus. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I do not think, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members, then your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, 
either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard it said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those, or for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing, or... Sorry, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard. For their many words, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, 
that their fast may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who does see, who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before swine lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open. Or which of you, if he had a son, ask him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. 
for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And it was great and great was the fall of it. And Jesus, when he finished these sayings, The crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as scribes. Lord, I pray that as we spend an unhurried amount of time in the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, I pray that we are going to be doers of your word, not just hearers. I pray that when you have finished saying what you have to say to us, that we can be astonished at your authority and we can follow your authority in our lives. So, Lord, please do this for us as we take this time and go through, Lord, just this magnificent sermon of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.